to to look at the year to come and to kind of like set goals. People are making resolutions and, and, you know, every year you'll see people say like, oh, this is going to be my year, you know, like, and so it was like 2020, who knew what was coming next in 2020 when everybody said, I think this is going to be our best year yet. And you're like, okay, you know, uh, and then 2021, we're finally getting out of this anyway. So it, this year I've, I've seen, it's funny, people are like 2022, we're all staying a little more humble, right? Like we're going to crush it this year. It's like, Lord willing, Day by day, I like that. I do appreciate that. But there is something about goals. And there's something about looking to the future and forward. And, uh, you know, obviously we call them New Year's resolutions. Um, the, the gyms are full. Uh, this morning at like 5 a.m. It, it was very cold this morning. Uh, but I was, I was driving. I, was, I get like a breakfast sandwich from Starbucks on the way in. And I saw two cars with mountain bikes on the back at 5 a.m. And I'm like... People are, are trying to get out. I've never seen that at 5 a.m. before in the dark. Uh, so uh, people make resolutions, and, you know, sometimes they work. Often they don't, unfortunately. Uh, but I, I wanted to – We this is more than a resolution. It's, it's refocusing. Uh, and one of the things that I learned, you might remember, I was reading a book a while back about habit formation and, and how it's easier to, to make a habit than it is to – uh, get by on willpower. And so habits are really, really important. And I think this is the most important habit we could possibly make. Um, we're dealing with uh, a lot of noise pollution. You know, have you guys heard of noise? You guys know what noise pollution is. And it's, it's where there's so much noise, it's like kind of bad for you. I actually was looking up definitions of noise pollution. The Environmental Pollution Center said noise pollution is generally defined as regular exposure to elevated sound levels that may lead to adverse effects in humans or other living organisms. According to the World Health Organization, sound levels of 70 dB are not damaging or, uh, or, or less are not damaging. Anyway, you don't care about that. But it's consistent exposure to uh, something that wouldn't necessarily be damaging. Consistent exposure to it is damaging. And so what we're living in is not necessarily, unless you live right next to a freeway or a uh, coast highway where people have no pipes on their Harleys. I appreciate that. Uh, but like, you know, they, they're... You know, we're not dealing with necessarily noise pollution so much, or if you live at an airport. Um, but we do deal with a different kind of noise pollution. The, there's so much noise out there, and, and it's so easy to get sucked into every voice and hear everything. We can't even think. We can't pray. We can't get alone. And uh, that's a real issue. Uh, the fact that at our, the current world we live in, the generation we're living in, to sit and think without any other thing, it's become like rare and odd, right? To be able to just sit and relax and think in silence and, and even to be able to try and listen to the voice of God, it's absolutely, it's almost impossible, right? Uh, I, I was looking at some studies. It said the average person uh, looks at two hours and 24 minutes of social media a week. I mean, a day, sorry, not a week, a day. Two hours and 24 minutes of social media, right? Four hours of television. This is, you know, then it's not either or, it's both. They, they, they estimate the average American consumes seven and a half hours of media a day. 
Seven and a half hours of media. If you have a job, then you work eight hours in transit, nine hours, whatever. How much time is there even left? The rest is sleeping, right? So we, we have to ask ourselves the question, what are we really being discipled by? And how are we being discipled? Because if we have all these voices speaking to us, we come to church, we get a, a message that's like, tries to be under 40 minutes. <laughs> but that's it. Like, you know, or we spend a little bit of time here and there. We need to, like, focus and think about this because we are living in a noisy world, and it has slowly changed us. I, I'm starting to realize how much of a difficulty I have even with silence. Like, what in the world? What do you do with silence? And so it, it's funny. You can fill it with something positive, like, oh, here's a podcast that will be really encouraging, and I'll just rip through them, you know? And uh, I, I don't know. Who listens to podcasts at way faster speeds than you're supposed to? Right? Me, yeah. Set so 1.5 or 2.0. And Tori said, you're talking too fast. She said, you're starting to talk really fast. And I'm like, it's because I'm listening to, like, Alvin and the Chipmunks explain, like, modalism or something. You know? Like, uh, so what we're dealing with is, like, consumption. Just consume, consume, consume. This is the best thing I can possibly do at this time is take in, take in, take in. But the Bible gives us a different perspective, namely in the person of Jesus. And so we're going to take a little trip uh, through Mark. You guys know Mark is the shortest gospel. It is called, like, basically the Sports Center highlight reel of the gospel, you know, of a gospel. It's like all about Jesus' life. It skips stuff. It gets, it makes you think Jesus was constantly doing things. It was like, and immediately they got up and went. And immediately, and immediately. So it's that kind of a thing. Uh, so much so that, that he actually skipped the birth of Jesus. Like, it's like there's no birth story. You're like, that might have been important, you know. Um, but it, there's something that it, I thought was really interesting when you see in the book of Mark how often it talks about Jesus getting away and spending time with the Father. Even in the midst of bang, 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 highlight, 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 this was worth noting. So um, let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you for this time. We pray for your word that you speak to us uh, and that you give us clarity, Lord, as we're living in a world where it's just there's noise. There's too much noise. And uh, we just like so badly need to get back to the place of spending time with you in silence and, and just, uh, just praying and reading and journaling. It's just hearing from you. We need to hear your voice, especially the crazier the world gets, the more gnarly things get. We really need your perspective, your heart. We need you. So, God, uh, help us to abide in you and to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're going to get into Mark. But uh, I think this, this section of Scripture, very famous section of Scripture in John 15, really ties together what this is all about. You want to follow Jesus, you can't get enough information about it. You know, it's about being with him. Verse 15, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, 
You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. The word abide uh, actually means to, because you know, you're like, what does abide mean? We don't talk about abiding that often. But it, it means, uh, the, the Greek word means to remain, to stay, to reside. So we remain in him, right? We stay in him. We reside in him. Our, it's like this constant place of presence where, we're, where our lives are, we know, hidden in Christ, right? Colossians tells us that, that we are hidden in Christ. We're, we're made in, we are now identified by him, by his death and resurrection, and his life is living in us, right? It's by him we live. But we're to remain and abide in him. And so it's so often we want to find shortcuts. I love shortcuts, you know, trying to find shortcuts. I'll do that on like a road trip or something. Maps is kind of like, uh, you know, where it talks to you. It's taking out some of the fun, you know, or ways or whatever, where it would be like, oh, I know that one shortcut. And uh, Tori and I, we pretty much, our kids have us race. If we're going somewhere to the same spot, whoever's in my car and whoever's in her car, there's a race uh, happening. And somehow you've got to figure out how to pass. So if you make one wrong turn, oh, you took the freeway. The coast is going to be faster now. And all of a sudden you get in and then you try to run inside as fast as you can and act like you've been there for like 30 minutes, even though she's like only a minute behind. I'm talking like I won because I just, I did in my mind. We won. Um, but you try and play it off cool. I've been here for like five minutes. No, it's really the case. But we like to find shortcuts. And so we're like, how can I look like Jesus uh, in the most efficient, fastest possible way? You know, so this is like the world we live in. You know, 10 steps to this. This, this, this. Jesus says, you want to know how you bear fruit? You want to know how this, your life looks like me and, and it has this weight to it and this beauty to it and, and how all these good things happen? In your, it's by just being with me. Hanging out. And this is really what I think we're going to see a correction from the culture in, is uh, the isolation that we found ourselves in and fake, fake relationships of social media. I think they're going to come back real fast. And they're actually already starting to. Um, I think uh, there's like even a, a rise in small church. Attend, people would rather go to small churches, uh, be smaller communities, house church, that kind of a thing, where you want to know and be known, right? And uh, so we find that Jesus says, abide in me. That's, that's the key. And uh, he, again, like I said, he gives us the sports center. We get the sports center highlight of Jesus's life. Uh, and so we look at some of the verses in Mark uh, where we see Jesus constantly getting away. You're going to get the picture real quick. He did it often, not to mention the other gospels where it was noted many times. Um, so after being baptized in Mark chapter 1, verse 12, it says, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, right? He was baptized, the Spirit descended on Jesus, yeah, like a dove, and he's driven into the wilderness, and there he's in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the uh, wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. Right away, the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus gets away. It's the beginning of his adult ministry is about to take place place. It's about to unfold. And immediately he's drawn away. You're going to have to get away. We saw the same thing with Saul in a similar manner. He had to go get away, get trained, let the Lord get a hold of his heart before anything else happened. Um, uh, then 
Later on, first chapter, verse 35, after healing and casting out demons, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were, who were with him searched for him. Uh, and they found him. And they said, Everyone is looking for you. They're like, so they're like stressed out. What's Jesus doing? He's removed himself. He's just been ministering. What is it? the response? Get away, you know, get up early in the morning and, and go far out before di- daylight. Get away. Uh, I actually think being in nature is another part of this. I really do. I think uh, we're, there's actually, there, they say a lot of our immunity is having issues for how little outside we are. There's the whole vitamin D thing, of course, but there's also like dirt and being exposed to, to elements of the outside that it's causing us to be more sick by putting ourselves in a plastic bubble. So I think there's something to getting alone, being with Jesus in your room, in your closet. It's great. Also, sometimes get outside, get away. And one of my favorite things to do is, is to get on my mountain bike, ride to the top of a hill, and just sit there and just pray. People think I'm talking to myself, which sometimes I am. But you're just sitting there, and you're overlooking the city. I'll go up to the top of Calavera. You can go to the top. You know there's a volcano? That's a volcano, in case you were wondering. If you want your kids to get into hiking, tell them, let's go hike a volcano. It might work. Uh, it's pretty steep, though, just so you know. But if you get to the very top, you can see everything up there, you know, uh, and you're looking at the ocean, and you're looking at Carlsbad, and you can see, oh, there's Double Peak over there, and you could see, you know, San Marcos, and everything's right there, also Double Peak, you could drive up there, that's cheating, I think, you know, uh, no, it's cool, go to Double Peak, uh, but getting up and seeing if there's something about the majestic and wonder of nature that speaks in and of itself, it's like a general revelation thing. God showing himself through nature. That's a good thing. But being up there is something refreshing about that. Jesus did it often. He'd go to the mountain um, and, and he would pray, right? Get away. Get solitary. Be alone with the Father. Did it again and again and again. And Jesus doesn't seem like someone who wastes time on things that don't matter, right? Verse uh, 45 of chapter 1, it says... Um, after healing a man with leprosy, says, however, he went out and began to proclaim it freely. So he had told the guy not to tell anyone about it. And it spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction. He, he would get out and go to deserted places. A lot of times it's so interesting. It's so countercultural to what we think a ministry leader would look like. Oh, there's the crowds. Let's find the crowds. Jesus is like trying to escape from the crowds. Seems like he's, he's down to speak to the crowds, but he'd rather have one-on-one conversations with people in small, small spaces, right? How do we know this? Well, because Jesus, although having over 70 disciples that it said were around him, like a lot, he dedicated himself to 12. Of the 12, there was the three, like the inner circle three, Right? Peter, James, and John, where you bring them in, and they would be part of, like, the deeper stuff. And it seems like there was even, John swears he had this, like, that was the one Jesus loved, which I love that he says that, because, because we all kind of feel like that. We should, right? The one that Jesus loves. Uh, like, kids should all kind of think you're their favorite, you know? Although they, anytime any other kid gets anything, they go, they're the favorite. Anyway. 
But like, you know, John, Jesus, and Peter, he, would, he was constantly talking with Peter, getting away, and uh, he loved to have that relationship. So it wasn't about going in, because if we see it as, let's, let's find the masses, and it's all a numbers game, and all this and that, it's a different kind of power we're relying on. Jesus, he usually even said, don't tell anyone I did this, Right? And then they'd tell it, and all of a sudden they'd all be coming in. No, he would withdraw and spend time with the Father and then look to have real conversations with people, individual people. Tells you something about God, doesn't it? Uh, after he had healed on the Sabbath in chapter 3, verse 7, it says, But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude of, from Galilee followed him. Again, withdrawing. And having a great multitude follow him. And then also in chapter 3, verse 13, it says, And we went up to the mountain and called to him to those uh, called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. So he brings his little crew with him. And he appointed the twelve that they might be with him, that he might uh, send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. So uh, as he empowers these new leaders, where does he do it? In the private. In, in, in the away, getting away, spending time away. Um, like I said, I was listening to podcasts because as I'm doing things like cleaning and taking down Christmas, you know how many pine needles there are from taking down? Anyway, um, I was listening to podcasts, and one of the things I was listening to these different leaders say uh, that, that they've learned to instill in their own personal walks, in their own personal lives, is to not let themselves just become run ragged by every single need. And they, they said they've, they've made a plan to, uh, this is the words they say, and we're working on it. I'm not there, okay? So this isn't my, put your phone to bed at night in another room, and they don't pick it up again until like, nine something in the morning after they've had their time with the Lord. And so they said, and, and they, they dedicate themselves before they even check their emails to what they call deep work, where you're spending time thinking and, and praying and meditating and letting the Lord work. You're basically, you know what you're doing? You're giving the Lord your first fruits, your very best. Because a lot of times it's like an afterthought and you're like, oh man, I didn't do my Bible reading. And so we put it on the, on the radio, I mean, the uh, version app, which is great, you put on the, the speaking, and it's at 2.0 speed. I did my Bible reading, you know. By the way, that is okay. It's better than nothing. But you know what's better than that? Sitting, spending time, reflecting. Because the world we live in right now has been so dramatically changed by our phones. My mind's right now is recording. Hi, guys. I know there's people watching online. It's great. It's a great tool. It can be used in, in a great way. Also, we'll take your whole soul from you. Everything from you. We're exposed to way more than we should have ever been exposed to. Um, it's, you know, uh, a lot of people done studies on this. They believe that we were really supposed to have access to like a village worth of people. Like 150 to know what's really going on there. That's like what we can kind of handle. We are like dealing with billions of people. Every single thing that happens all over the world, we see it. Tension, this, that, this, that, that. Fear. We're all stuck in it, right? That's why there's so much viewership. That's why it's 7.5 hours of media. We're hooked. 
What do we do? And a lot of it's not based out of, oh, you're just lazy or, oh, you're just that. We're just, we don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do with this. My heart hurts by seeing everything going on. I'm trying to get through it. I'm trying to numb out. I've seen too many bad things. I want to see some good things. I got to try and get through. I got to push through this pain and get somehow to the other side. But the solution makes the problem actually worse. So we're exposed to stuff we're never supposed to be exposed to. And and now you imagine the next generation is literally, they don't know a world without this. We have a house phone, right? It had an answering machine. You could call the answering machine and check it, right? We were like, back in the day, we were slick. You have a pager. I had a pager in high school. You could send your friend, like you put numbers on it that would like say something. We were so slick. Or we would use the 1-800-COLLECT. Because you never use the collect, right? What would you do? Would you like to accept a call from pick me up at the movie theater? No. <laughs> and so there you go. Uh, no, I would not like to collect that. Oh, you got to go pick them up from the movie theater, right? It was like the old commercial. Um, hello, would you like to receive a call from Bob? We had a baby. Eats a boy? Uh, no, it's Bob. They had a baby. It's a boy. And they're basically, they stop being cheap. That's the idea, right? But collect calls were expensive. So we went from like that world where it's kind of like you have to pick up a newspaper and read or watch the news, and the news was only on certain times, right? It was, wasn't designated to like all these channels where it's 24-hour news cycle that they're trying to fill. It was like you have the nightly news, you have the morning news, and, you know, there might be a puppy on it. There's a puppy, oh, cute, you know, a new breed, of whatever. But now it's, it's changed. Everything's changing. So we have the, the TV and what's fast replacing that is of course our phone and then it turns into an echo chamber where people only hear what they want to hear I like to sometimes look on people have different views than me and I like look at the comment section and I'm like wow you're so sold out to that view and then it's funny your phone picks up on that and then they start sending you more of that and you're like that's this is what they're seeing this is the algorithm and so you should be really Careful who's discipling you because it is absolutely on purpose. Trying to grab us. Jesus says, pull away. I'll give you perspective on everything. Give you everything you need. He pulls away. He takes the disciples away. And and he makes them, gives them power to preach and to cast out demons. Um, After John the Baptist dies, Matthew tells us Jesus got on a boat to get away. I mean, this isn't in Mark, but he says he just got away. We go to solitude when we, uh, because we need it every day. We don't need a special reason, just being human and just being incorrect. We need that to abide in him, right? We go when we need wisdom. We go when we su- suffer and struggle and are sad. I love John the Baptist. He's like, and Jesus, it was Jesus' cousin, right? They were related, So he gets on a boat to get away, to like deal with it, go to the the Lord, the Father, and pour out his heart before him. We actually, one of the things Tori got, she got us some journals. And it's like, um, we need to get get away and and just empty. (laughs) There's so many things. You're constantly trying to fix everything in your head, trying to work everything out in your head. I could do this if I could just come to the end. I can work through this. I'm a problem solver. I can do that, you know? I love the, uh, the games, you know? We got some of those, the brain games. And I, like, go to the expert, and I will sit there for hours until I figure it all out, you know? It's like, ah, 
I got to get this, you know, and everybody's opening Christmas presents and you're still, you're sitting over there and you're like, ah, where's the yellow one going to go? You know, eventually you get it. Yes, I did the plastic game. It was a dollar, you know, or whatever. But that doesn't work with soul care stuff. We need, we need to be exposed to the real living God and let him speak to us and, and, and let us speak to him. We have this relationship where we can come before him. Man, this is what generations before the Messiah, they were longed for this opportunity again. So after that, John, death of John the Baptist, all that happens. Jesus uh, gathers to. The apostles gathered to Jesus in chapter 6, verse 30 of Mark. And he told them all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Uh, and he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place. So this was right after that. And also Jesus had empowered them to go out and minister. And they were successful. So they told him everything they'd done. And he says, come aside. This is what he says. Right after doing this triumphant, amazing ministry, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Uh, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. How many of you guys has that happened to? You get going, and you forget to eat. Remember, we'd have big projects, or, and it still happens. We were like, I did not eat today. And you're just running, and you're amped up on coffee, and you're just like, I could, you know, you know jittery and crazy and nuts. But he's, he says, come away. Let's get away. It's amazing what just happened. God just moved. Let's go bring that to him. Let me tell you something. Some of the most successful times of ministry where God moves the most, if you don't go right back to him with that, it can become like depression fast. So I'm, I'm not kidding you. Mondays or Sunday nights and often Monday mornings, brutal for a pastor. Like brutal. You start thinking about everything. You start taking it in. And what if I, I didn't get to talk to, I didn't get to say anything. I, oh, they miss, I feel like that was misunderstood. I wish I would have said that better in the message. I don't know if that made any sense. And you're like, oh. So you have to deal with that. This is what you do. You pull away. All right, Lord, you used it. Okay, whatever. Get away. Eat. Enjoy company. And, 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 and then also spend time with the Lord. Get away. Rest a little bit. The rest theme, right, continues uh, after verse 45. Actually, as that story goes, you know what really happens is after that, they're about, Jesus says, let's get away and rest. And then all of a sudden, all these people show up. He's moved with compassion. He feeds 5,000, right? After that, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. I think he's like saying, they won't be able to get us over there, you know? <laughs> so he sends them over to the other side of the Seda while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. He sent them away to rest and be alone. And then he went on his own to pray. This is an individual thing. You don't, it's not about you holding everyone accountable. You make the decision for yourself, getting alone, getting away to pray. You know, and so, yeah, there you go. And, and then uh, in, in chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, verse 2, says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, inner three, right? And led them up to a high mountain apart from, by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. 
And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be there. Be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But they, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. I love that story. Peter's like, let's just make a statue. We don't, or a tab, you know, an altar. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> They're just blown away. And the point I think here is, God will blow you away if you get alone with him. He'll show you things you could never think or come up with on your own. Boy, do we need that. Also, I think we need to know that God can actually speak. That's one of the best ways of, of uh, thinking about the next generation. Like, where are they going? Like, if there is not a real encounter with the living God and you believe he is real and that he can speak to you and really experience like God's power moving in your life, good luck. Right? Because you can be argued into or out of anything. Right? But you can't change an experience like that. What are you going to do with that? I mean, I've seen many friends who I started in the ministry with together, gone. Not Christians, nothing. And it's like, I, I'm like, it just it saddens me to no end. I mean, it's unreal, you know? It, the, the deception of the enemy, is, it's crazy. And you could see man had a part in this for sure. But I just personally, when I came to know the Lord, I experienced like a lot of real, miraculous, super like, there's no way that's not God things. And I've continued to see that. So it's like, that's the whole, you know, John 6, uh, 66 through 69. I, I don't know. I, I can't go anywhere else. Like, I, I don't know. I don't understand everything, but I can't forget what I've seen. I, I've seen too much. I've experienced too much. Where else, Peter says, where else would I go? You know, I've come to believe you're the Christ. You're the words to life. Where am I going to go? So if we don't have that, what, what do we expect? God wants to show us real things. And it's not by hearing it from another pastor or hearing it from another, or even gleaning it from other people's devotions or whatever. It's you and him alone where he speaks to you in a very specific, real way because he wants an actual relationship with us. It's not like some deist thing where he just sets everything up and we kind of just live in that world and, oh God, thanks for setting everything up. Now we're kind of on our own. That's how way too many Christians live. We often get there. But we should be coming expectantly. Lord, show me something. Lord, speak to me. Right? And, and I, I think he speaks most often through his word. And it's amazing a lot of times when you read, say your daily reading, how quickly you use it that day. Right? Even when it's like obscure, you're like, I'm in the prophets. And all of a sudden, something comes up. You're like, no way. You won't believe this. <laughs> I literally just read this today. And they're like, what? That's wild. And you're like, telling me. I think that was going to come out of there. Right? We spend time. Proverbs covers everything. I'm like, really? I mean, it like pretty much covers everything. So you're, you're, you're gleaning wisdom. You spend time. But it's not just reading it like a textbook. It's heart work, right? It's like the inner change. Abide in me. Live in me. Let me permeate all of you. So, again, Jesus brings the guys up and he shows himself. He reveals them. If you meet him on the mountain, you will be rewarded with seeing Jesus. Not like a transfigured situation, but like he will, I believe God reveals himself. He will reveal himself. Maybe that's, that's probably why you're a Christian, right? 
Then in verse, verse 14, he's nearing the end of his life, right? Verse 32, it says, Then they came to a place which was named uh, Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, John with him. And he began, uh, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went up a little further, fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So, things to remember. We get away, right? To be expectant that God does want to speak to us. That not, to think that, to know it's doing something, (laughs) To know that it actually, it's not like, you don't, you don't just check it off like, oh, I did it to make, make myself look like a Christian. You're like, no, I'm meeting with the living God and he wants to talk to me. And I will get better at listening over time. The more time you spend with him, the better you get at being quiet. I mean, seriously, when's the last time you were just quiet? Just went somewhere and quiet. You, it's, it gets kind of wild, right? You get quiet, all of a sudden you have all these ideas of stuff you should have done or messed up. I, you know, you start thinking about something you said in fifth grade, you know, or whatever, and how it's like you wish you could go back in time or whatever. It's like all the weirdest stuff comes up. And it's like being like, Lord, here's where I'm at. And this is the thing. We come with reverence. Obviously, we're coming before God, and we know where we're, how we're coming to him. We come boldly. We know we're allowed to come boldly, but we also come with stuff we just don't understand, right? Jesus is lamenting the fact that he's going to die. He's like, I don't, I'm, he's just grieved. He was lamenting the fact that what, that John the Baptist died, a martyr's death, right? And so now he's sitting here and he's like, he's literally praying like, I pray this could pass from me. And then he ends up on the other side. Yeah, but it's not my will, it's your will be done. I think, I think that one of the things that we avoid intimacy with God is because we're afraid he's going to see what we really think about things. Can I let you in on a secret? He already knows. <laughs> And he wants us to share that because he doesn't want just like part of our life like, well, give me the polished part. I don't want to see the mess. He's like, I bought you knowing the mess. I, I purchased you at your messiest. And believe me, I've got messier. Trust me. I've done more with less. I've also, you know, I've also got, just before, you know, you get too high, there's, there's better too, you know. But the idea is like, is he sees us in everything. God wants us to factor him into every part of the equation. That's the abiding, residing. There's no part that's hidden. So God, I don't know what to do right now with my kid. God, I don't know what to do right now with my marriage. God, I don't know what to do right now with my boss. (laughs) I don't know what to do with this world. I feel less and less in touch with what's going on. I have no answers. I don't know what to do. Like, where, where do I, you know, it, God wants to hear this from us. He says it. Come boldly. Be real. Be honest. Say, Lord, I need your direction. And then, and then be quiet a little bit. Get in the word and listen. Lord, what do you want to tell me? What do you want to speak to me? How do you want to, what do you want to do? So some good, some good uh, I guess, pointers. For, the, for trying to get there. 
like I said, I think there's no better investment we could possibly make um, individually or as a church family than growing in intimacy with Christ, like growing in intimacy, like letting God have more of us, spending more time, turning off the noise more because, I mean, it is beckoning. It drives, drives me crazy. I used to go to um, uh, this place for our, we had a uh, pastor's breakfast every Tuesday at the church I was at before. There was three of us on staff. And we would go every to Bagels and Brew in, in Aliso. And we would go and sit down. And every morning, the stupid CNN news was on. And it was all about how the sky was falling. And it was ISIS back then, you know? Like, and it was like all this and that. I'm just sitting there. And it was honestly stressing me out. I just had babies, you know? Like, what do we <laughs> I think it's all going to end and, you know, whatever. And, and it's just watching this, the newspapers. I literally would have to, like, shield my eyes from it. I don't want to see this. And so be like, oh, good, they turned it off today, you know, or whatever. The, the TV somehow broke. I feel like wire cutters, you know, in my hand. I don't know what it is. The cable doesn't work. Um, but I, I, it would just, it would drive me nuts, you know, because it's, it's surrounding us everywhere we go. And God's saying, I, you know what? It's going to take actual effort to get here. You're not going to fall into this. Just like getting away back then to a mountain didn't mean driving to the mountains. It meant you're going to have to go climb up something to get out of here. To get to a deserted place means it's not easy to get to. So we're going to have to forge paths, for, like make ways and make it consistently. Hey, this might be hard to do. It, it doesn't matter. Good things are rarely easy. So what do we do? Again, talked about putting your phone to bed. Hey, I'm with you. Let's start today. <laughs> Put it to bed. Don't worry about it. You know, I was listening to these pastors talking. And they were like, they run big companies or big, big churches or whatever. And they said, I thought there's no way people aren't going to need to get a hold of me or whatever. He says, it almost never does someone really need to get a hold of you. He says, I learned to do my emails where I'm, I'm not just like texting via email. Like I'm actually like writing it and going, but making space to spend time with God. So put that to bed. Be intentional. Set a time. Set a time, right? Any relationships we have that, that are valuable, we have to set times. Even we go, oh my gosh, we haven't had a date for like six months. Well, we better do that, right? We, that's not true. We have been, especially because we got this great spot across the street from our house now power. Let's go. Anyway, set a time. Be intentional. Uh, starting a reading plan. We've been doing uh, the, uh, the same reading plan the last couple years. I haven't done the printouts yet of that, but if you're interested, talk to me. Uh, I, there's also this new Bible project app that just came out in January, and it's going to be going through the Pentateuch deep, learning how to read scriptures in depth and, and connect all the dots. It's really cool. Get into some sort of a reading plan where you're, you're exposing yourself to scripture and then like really sticking with it, right? Be quiet and listen, right? Learning how to be quiet and listen. Quiet and just go like, I need to get away. Let all this go and just, Lord, speak to me. Lord, reveal yourself to me. Let me hear your voice. Help me to see what you're trying to tell me as, as I read and as I pray. Grab a journal, these are all just hints, whatever, you know, uh, but I would recommend at least trying it, right? Give in your journal, real thoughts, real prayers. You know, we don't have to clean it up for God. You're not writing a devotional, you know, that everyone's going to read. 
it's just raw, right? We're going to try and do that. That's like being really raw and honest before God. Uh, and because I actually think we have a hard time even knowing how to be fully honest, right? Because it feels like it, there's always like a something like, oh, there's a, I, I, I can't do that. I can't be, be real before God where you're really, really at. He can handle it. And then remove the yoke of trying to hold everything together in joyous presence. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. You want to know why? He's carrying the load. So it says, what does he say? Cast all your cares upon him. He cares for you. So we lay it down. We spend some time. Find a spot. Find a, a way. And, and then just be intentional about it. Look, all the other stuff is good, right? Getting fit. You know, that stuff's great. But like that won't give you what you need. You know, C.S. Lewis did this, this, you've probably heard of it before, where he, he talked about how, you know, everything we try to get, you know, you've, if you're, if I can only get, you know, the marriage and, or, you know, I can only get the job and the finances, the house, the car, the whatever, I'd finally get what I was looking for. If I could only, you know, travel, if I could only see all these different things and if I could only get to this level, if I could only win a World Series, if I could only, all of those things, and we end up almost like more desperate than we started? What does that tell us? And he says, his thing is that it might mean that you're, if nothing in the world can satisfy, it might mean you're made for a different world. So we, we got to look into that and say, look, all the stuff around us, it's going to find us wanting. And, and the best way to treat all of the things that God has put into our hands is by allowing him to empower us to move forward with like, all right, Lord, I don't know how to do all this. I know I'm not the savior of the world. I know I'm barely holding myself together. Lord, give me the strength to do it. Speak to me. Um, give me your, you know, what I need for today. And then just enjoy like how he's going to use it. I really believe this is the key. Again, who Jesus modeled it consistently. And it wasn't like, hey, guys, look, this is kind of what it should look like for you to do it. I'll show you how to do it, and then I'll bail and let you guys do it. No, it's like he was just constantly doing it, and it seems like he was never telling anyone he was going to do it. Because they're always like, where is he? And, and, and even he gets, like, rebuked. Where have you been? There's people who need to be healed down here. And he's like, look, what I'm doing is way more important. And what I'm doing here is what enables me to do what you see down here. When I, what I do up here is why I go down. So, so you see Jesus get empowered to come, go, minister, and as soon as he ministers, go back up. Get, get the, the strength again. All right, Lord, I need your presence. I need your power. I need your everything. It's going to have to come from you. I'll tell you, it's addictive. <laughs> Not addictive in a bad way. But like It's what you are designed for. Relationship with God, his empowering, and there's nothing like watching God do it. Does it mean there's no effort? Oh, no, there's definitely effort. I think part of the biggest effort is being disciplined to experience, enough to experience it. Being like, hey, I don't know it. I don't have this. I don't know it. I don't, it's not all about me. I'm going to go away and, and be away. So that's Mark in Mark. And there's more where he goes to deserted spots or gets away or you see him walking and just cruising around. But those are the times where it specifically talks about him going, getting on a mountain, and then God doing something amazing in and through his life. He, he saw it as important and valid. So should we. So if there's anything you want to make a resolution or whatever about, I would encourage you to consistently do this for two weeks. 
two weeks. Try it for two weeks and see if you, if it doesn't change you, right? So come back here two weeks and you, you can come to me if you did it every day and you spent time, you did all that stuff and you could tell me if it just does not work for you. I'll be waiting, you know. <laughs> I, I know God will show up. And I know it's something we can experience. And I know also the first couple days are like the hardest thing, right? To, if you're working on like making more boundaries in your life, right? Where you go, oh yeah, of course I'm reading my Bible. Carve out time, not just to read, not just to throw up a quick, quick prayer, but to abide, soak it in. All right? So we have communion available as it's the first of the, uh, of the month. Um, and so if you want to come up and grab communion, we're going to do a song for communion and then, um, and then we'll do close in one worship song. But I think it's a, that's works out perfectly again, new year, um, to start with, uh, reminding ourselves, I mean, we are not clean on our own. You know, that's what communion is. Do this in remembrance of me, of what Jesus did on the cross, the, the sacrifice that was made, the, 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 defeat of sin and death that happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. So we start off, we remember that. Remember, we are not God. We are not in control. We are not the uh, hero of our own stories. He is. And so we want to abide in him and allow him to have more of us. So let's pray and then uh, we'll... uh,